You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus and looks at the call story of Moses. And before we go in and read the scripture, I thought I would give you some background to get the story of where we are right at this moment. The story of Moses' life can be found in the second through the fifth books of the Hebrew Bible. These books chronicle Moses' journey from his remarkable birth to his final farewell words of wisdom to the Israelite people. The story of Moses begins after approximately 400 years of enslavement of the Hebrew people in Egypt. Now Moses was born in Egypt during the time in which the Pharaoh was concerned that if the Hebrew slave population continued growing, that they would rebel. So through a decree, Pharaoh made it very precarious to be born a baby Hebrew boy at that time. Moses' mother, Jochebed, felt God had a special purpose for her son and made the dangerous and courageous move to put her tiny baby in a basket and float him down the Nile River to where the Pharaoh's daughter bathed. Now, flash forward a few years. Moses is now a strong and confident member of the Egyptian royalty. Then one day, he is made aware that he is actually Hebrew. As he is contemplating this new heritage, Moses' eyes are open to the injustice that is happening to the Hebrew people, his people. Moses has a moment of rebellion that causes him to flee from Egypt and his old identity and wander out into the desert. In the desert, Moses meets his wife, Sipporah, who is given to him in marriage by her Midianite priest, Father Jethro. Moses, this confident Egyptian, has now become a humble shepherd, the lowest of occupations. Now, one day at the base of the mountain, tending to his father-in-law's sheep, we find our future prophet, humble and content in obscurity, It is here that God calls out from the burning bush, Moses, Moses, save my people. Now, how does uh, Moses answer? Who am I to go, Pharaoh, and bring the Israelites of Egypt out of slavery? See, Moses had a speaking problem. Some say he stuttered, but whatever it was, he was not a public speaker. 
This is when God tells Moses that he will have his brother Aaron speak on his behalf. As the story of Moses continues, we are reminded time and time again of the many people God has placed in his life to set him up for success, beginning with his mother, Jacobed. We also see how God makes Moses, or takes Moses, at his weakest and most vulnerable moments and projects God's power through Moses to accomplish God's will. Hear the reading from Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 7, and 10 through 12. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law, Jethro, a Midianite priest. He led the flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's message appeared, messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called him out, called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you, and this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over the next few weeks, the clergy here at Clarkston United Methodist Church will be sharing our call stories. Amy, Pastor Amy shared her call story last week, and if you didn't get a chance to hear it or see it, I would suggest you go back and watch it. It's moving to hear how God is at work in her life and I think uh, is a great chance to learn some of her story if you haven't gotten to hear that yet. A call story is simply a churchy way of saying, listening for God's voice and discerning what it is God is asking us to do. And we believe that God calls each one of us. You don't have to be a clergy person to have a call, although all clergy people will be able to tell you their call story. The truth is that God is calling 
each one of us in some way. And sometimes it is to a profession, like being a pastor or being an educator or being uh, an engineer. Sometimes God calls us to some kind of task for just a season, like being a caretaker, caring for a loved one or a family member. And sometimes God is calling us to something even shorter than that, a call for a day or a weekend. And God's call is some of those, one of those things that is not always easy to articulate. But when God is calling, we know. Sometimes God's call feels like a warmth in our hearts. Sometimes God's call feels like an ache in our souls. Sometimes God calls, God calls us and it just simply feels like that's the right thing that we need to be doing. Or sometimes it's a subtle nudging over time from the Holy Spirit. I would describe my call as a Moses kind of call. Each one of us picked a scripture passage, a call story from the Bible that we identified with, and I identify with Moses because for some people, God's call unfolds gradually over time and we recognize it over the course of weeks or years. And for other people, God's call is sudden. It feels immediate. And my call happened in that way. It was sudden. One day, I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life And the next day, I knew. To understand my story, it's important to know that I was raised in the church. So I am a fifth-generation Methodist on my mom's side of the family. And I am a sixth-generation Methodist on my dad's side of the family. So the roots run deep. And my grandfather was a United Methodist pastor. And uh, my parents met when they were in youth group together at a United Methodist back then, a Methodist church up in Goodrich, up M15 there, that's where they met. And uh, I grew up in Canton, but my parents took us to church in Ann Arbor, at Ann Arbor First, right there on the university's campus. There are lots of churches between Canton and Ann Arbor, but my parents had very high standards for what they wanted in a church. They knew it had to be United Methodist, number one. They also needed excellence in preaching, excellence in music, high-quality programs of all kinds, and it couldn't be the kind of church where first-time visitors had to stand up in the middle of worship and introduce themselves to everyone, which happened to them more than you would think as they were visiting various churches. It was just over a half-hour drive to get to Ann Arbor first from my parents' home in Canton, but we attended church every single Sunday morning. And we attended choir practice every Sunday night. And we attended youth group every Wednesday night until they moved it to Sunday night and made our lives a little bit easier. We logged a lot of miles between Canton and Ann Arbor. Sometimes when you find the right place, it's worth the drive. Now, when I was eight, my home church received an associate pastor who was a woman. And I did not know it at the time, but that was my home home church's very first female pastor. But as an eight-year-old, I didn't know any of that. I just saw a woman up in the pulpit and thought, oh, yeah, women must be able to be pastors everywhere. When I was growing up, my parents were very involved in the church. My dad, at one point, chaired SPRC, which is like the HR committee of the church. My mom co-chaired the worship committee at one point. My family, they were always, it felt like as a kid, the last ones to leave the church building. 
Like the caretakers would be there locking up the doors and there my parents would stand talking with people. And it was always different people every week. Sometimes it was old friends they hadn't seen in a while. Sometimes it was people they were working with a project on. Sometimes it was new people to the community who just wanted to know what the church had to offer and my parents would love to tell them and give them a tour. And they, uh, they were those kinds of church people. I'm pretty sure you know some of these kinds of church people. And in fact, some of you are these kinds of church people. I see some of you sitting out there. And my parents, they loved their church. And so I loved the church. And when the youth group sang at a nursing home on a Sunday night, I showed up. And when there was an opportunity to do youth drama, I showed up. And when the youth group was baking rolls as a fundraiser, I showed up. And when the youth group had an opportunity to go on mission trips to faraway places like Kenya and Brazil and Pittsburgh, USA, I showed up. I've heard it said that half of ministry is simply showing up. And if that is true, I got a lot of practice with that as a child. When it came time for me to choose a college, I went to a United Methodist affiliated school. I went to Albion, yo triumphy! And I joined every Christian group I could find on campus in the first couple weeks of school. And what I quickly discovered is something that will not be surprising to most of you, but was surprising to me, which is that not all Christians think about things and feel about things and worship in the same way. This was a shocking discovery for me as a young person. And I came to realize fairly quickly that I'm really more of a choir anthem and amazing organ postlude and liturgy for the baptism kind of Christian than a rock band kind of Christian. It's just what helps me connect with God. And I also came to realize that what's important to me are things like the inclusion statement that we have here at CUMC that says that everybody's welcome no matter what. You can think differently, you can have different political views, and you're welcome in this place. It's a safe place. Not all Christians say it in that way. So as I was discovering what kind of Christian I might want to be, my junior year of college, I studied abroad. And I picked a place that I felt was about as far from home as I could get, and so I went to India. It was far away from anything I'd known, anything I'd ever experienced before. Internet and phone communication back then was not as easy as I imagine it would be today. And so before I went away to India, this far off place, my brother gave me a Bible. He is really not somebody who has given out a lot of Bibles in his lifetime. In fact, this may be the only Bible he's ever given. (laughs) And he gave it to me because I had been borrowing a Bible of his that looked fairly similar. It was a metal cover with a magnet, and his looked like a pop can on the top with a pop tab, and it said, thirsty. Well, this one has a flame on the cover, if you can't see it, and it says the word, ignite. So he gave me this Bible, and on a whim, I packed it in my luggage to go to India despite the fact that it is heavier than most Bibles I have known of this size. And throughout the course of my semester abroad, in between rickshaw rides and treks and making new friends and seeing the sights, 
I had a lot of time for reflection. I had a lot more downtime because when I was in college, I had my family, I had my friends, I had my dozens of college groups that I told you about. But in India, I didn't have all those things to fill my time and so I started reading my Bible from Genesis onward. And I have to tell you, this particular Bible is a terrible Bible to read straight through if you've never read the Bible before because there were no helpful maps, there were no genealogies, there were no footnotes to tell you what was going on, and you, it really left me confused a lot of the time. And so I started making my own genealogies on little note cards, I still have them in here, and I started making notes in the margins, and I started noting any time I noticed a connection or shared language, or there's big chunks of the Bible that are repeated from book to book, and you, you make note of that, or I made note of that. And one day, partway through the semester, our program for Americans in India, we went on a field trip. We were stationed in Pune, a city, an urban place, and we went out to the countryside where you could really see the stars. And I remember one night looking up at the sky and being impressed with the vastness of it, the vastness of God, the universe, life, what might be possible. And I went to sleep that night and when I woke up the next morning, I knew. I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor. So I went from vaguely wondering about dozens of different careers to having instant clarity. I needed to go to seminary. That was the next step. I am not someone who has instant clarity on decisions very often. I tend to waffle and agonize and weigh things and I think about things for a really long time. And so to have this kind of instant decision, for me, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. For me, it was like Moses and the burning bush. I did not see my call until it was burning right there in front of me. And once I saw it, I could not do anything else. But also like Moses, I had some doubts. I think I felt the weight of the call and what it might entail and that weight scared me and because I was scared, I started to have questions. Apparently I called my parents after this moment and I told them, I know what I need to do with the rest of my life and I am going to tell you in three months when I get back from India. <laughs> I do not remember saying it like that. Perhaps I blocked it out, but my mom was terrified that I had met a nice man from India and I was going to marry him and live in India for the rest of my life, maybe become a missionary. Uh, but I was afraid to tell them, I think, about the call. You see, my grandfather was a United Methodist pastor, as I mentioned, and he, he was a really stoic, serious guy. I'd seen plenty of clergy crack jokes. My parents were pretty good friends with a number of clergy, but it still sort of seemed like clergy were on a pedestal somehow. Like, I wasn't sure if I could be as solemn as them or as intense as them or as forceful as them, which is kind of funny when uh, I think about the clergy that my parents were friends with at that time. It took me a, a little while to realize that clergy are really just normal people who God has called to a set-apart kind of work. God calls us for who we are. We don't have to be exactly like somebody else to be called by God. And in fact, 
it's often best that we are different because we bring different gifts, we bring different perspectives, we bring different things to the table. And God calls us to bring those gifts. God calls us to bring the gifts we have, not the gifts that we think we should have. That goes for ministry, it goes for anything God might be calling you to do. And so my family, they are church people, as I described earlier. And after I had this burning bush, flame in the wilderness kind of experience, I thought things like, well, what if I changed my mind? What if what I was feeling wasn't really a call to ministry in a church? What if I misunderstood and in a week or a month or a year, I decided actually I'm being called to be an educator or a social worker or probably not an engineer, but something else? What if I misunderstood. Like Moses, however, I discovered that there were people in my life to affirm my calling. Like Moses, I discovered, in fact, it was me God was speaking to. So I went to seminary, and I loved it. I loved it. The learning, the community, the worship, the dreaming. It was fantastic. The moment I set foot on the campus of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., I had another one of those burning bush moments where I just knew this is where I needed to be. I could feel it. This was a place where I belonged. I know that God does not call each one of us to be clergy. God calls us in so many other ways. But I pray that whether your call is dramatic in the form of a burning bush or more gradual or a nudging of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you too are looking for those places where God is calling you and I pray that you too find those places where you belong and you feel it. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.